Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking to Tim Tut, who's the CEO and co-founder of Night Shift Development. We're going to be talking to Tim about how to democratize data by making data analytics and business intelligence easy to understand. We're also going to talk about how to facilitate collaboration between data analysts, data scientists, and other stakeholders in an organization. Before we do that, let's say hi to Tim. Tim, how are you today? Hey, how's it going, Mark? Doing well. Awesome. Uh, whereabouts are you located? I'm uh, actually here in uh, Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Oh, all right. So is, uh, is spring arrived for you? It's uh, mostly here. We've been uh, back and forth on weather the last uh, few days, you know, had a couple of spikes into the, you know, low 70s and then a few spikes back down into, uh, you know, the high 40s, mid 50s. But that's typical weather here for Northern Virginia. Yeah, we we got I can't wait to sit until we hit 70. That doesn't usually come until about June out here, but um but we do have the sun out today, so all is good. I'm I'm actually just FYI in the Pacific Northwest. So we get lots of lots of precipitation typically. Are you uh, up in Seattle there? Seattle, yeah, I'm actually in Bellevue Redmond area, like ah. about 15 minutes from the Microsoft uh, headquarters, but it's all the same, same weather patterns, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Bellevue is a beautiful area. It's been a while since I've been there, but I always loved it out there. It's definitely green. Yeah. So if you <laughs> like <laughs> if you like trees, this is the place to be. Hey, um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about Night Shift Development? Sure, absolutely. So Night Shift, uh, we started about five and a half years ago. Um, it started because my co-founder and I spent a good bit of time working inside of the government space, um, operating as data engineers and data scientists, really kind of playing middlemen between our end users and our data. And we kind of got to this point where we said, hey, look, you know, it's great that we can answer questions for um, the the people that need those qu questions answered and we can, you know, access the data and write queries and SQL and all those types of things. But it doesn't really benefit them if they have to come to us every time and we're not always available. And we also become a big roadblock for them. So we kind of took a big step back and said, hey, what if we could make this a lot easier for anyone to get the simple answers of questions they needed answered done and then we could focus on harder problems. And the easiest way to do that was, hey, let's go build some software to help solve that problem. Um, so we took a step back, started building software, and then went back and started selling it to some of our old customers. Um, that was really designed on making it easy for any user, no matter their technical skill level, to get value from their data. Awesome. I mean, where were you about eight years ago? I was, uh, <laughs> I was in a, a CRO role. Uh, for a small startup, and anytime I wanted to get any information at all, I had to do some kind of SQL uh, query, and I don't I don't know how to do that, right? So I was yeah. at the mercy of whoever I could get to do it for me, and and I I just didn't have the bandwidth to actually learn. I probably could have learned, but I just you know wasn't a priority. But I needed that information, and so I can totally relate to um to your customers in you know in those former roles. So I, I'm assuming then what has evolved is what you talk about d democratizing data is you, you have a platform that makes the analytics and business intelligence kind of more accessible and easier to understand? 
That's exactly right. So our core platform is a platform called Clear Query. Um, it's designed, again, to make it as simple as possible. What's really interesting is we've kind of been through a, a number of iterations over it. And when we started, the very first thing we wanted to do was how do we make it easy for people to just ask those questions as plainly as they would come and ask us and get back those answers? So um, for the longest while, and I, I don't necessarily use this description anymore, we use the, uh, the comparison of, um, you know, it's Siri meets Tableau. Um, ask a question, natural language, get back some pretty visualizations, get some descriptions. I don't use that comparison as much anymore because they are a big competitor of ours now, but um, <laughs> we've definitely evolved over time there. That, that's awesome. So um, what were like some of the first steps? Was it figuring out what are the most commonly asked questions or was it the, I mean, even if you have the voice recognition, you still have to map it to something. So yeah, tell me how, how, how it um, played itself out. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we actually started very much so on a kind of a text basis and it, it was a, a game of, yes, let's figure out what are some of the most common things that people asked us and how do we genericize those things in a way that applies across industries? Because we had a very specific you know, government focus based on where we were working before. So we wanted to make sure that the platform we were building applied across a number of industries. Um, and as we did that, we kind of started building out a, a machine learning model that was designed around intent understanding, figuring out what a user actually means, what's the type of thing that they're um, trying to get out of their data, and then doing some entity extraction. Then we built a, a core engine that took the combination of the intent of what a user wants and the entities from the question that they specifically asked to build out the query that needed to be run against the data store so that we could get back um, an answer to them. One of the really cool parts is once that data comes back, we then figure out based on the shape of data and the type of question that a user asked, what's the best visual fit visualization for that user? So that may be a you know line chart um, showing trends over time. It may be a you know a bar chart or pie chart, but we also give you a lot of flexibility to go in and change and manipulate those things over time. That's awesome. I, I actually didn't get that second part until you just uh, explained it. So it's not only executing the query, it's saying, hey, based upon this type of information, what's the best way to display display it, right? That's exactly right. And then on top of that, we also provide some plain English explanations for the user. So you don't necessarily have to be adept at interpreting graphs and visualizations. So multiple ways for you to get back that feedback and understand that, hey, you know, this is the most significant change that has happened over time, or hey, you know, we sold more, um, you know, extra large t-shirts in the men's category than we ever did in, um, you know, the women's small category. Maybe that's something we need to adjust from a sales perspective. And, and who are your customers? Are these um, large enterprise, SMB? What? So it's a combination um, up and down. So a lot of large government customers, we have um, a good bit of mid-market and then um, some uh, SM&B. Um, we started to break into kind of the financial services markets, um, but some of our earliest clients, interestingly enough, um, happened to be more uh, cybersecurity focused, um, which was a... It, it, it was an interesting um, shift for us because it wasn't necessarily the market we were targeting, but we found that we had a really good use case. Well, one of the things that we tend to say is, look, we're not a cybersecurity product, but we have some really interesting cybersecurity use cases, one of those being threat hunting type use cases. 
So can you walk me through a couple of those? Absolutely. So, um, and you know, threat hunting cases, you're, you're looking at, hey, you know, who's been attacking our servers? Where are these attacks coming from? How do we defend against this in general? For most organizations, they're using a handful of tools where you're either digging through lots and lots of logs, maybe you're building lots of dashboards, but it still requires you to be a lot more technical so you can write the SQL queries or write Splunk QL or whatever it is that underlying system is, um, because those systems are really designed for more technical users at the end of the day. What people are able to do with Clear Query instead is as a threat hunter, all you need to know is the right types of questions to ask. So, hey, I want to know what the breakdown of attacks are coming against our servers by, you know, country and month over time. You know, when are we seeing these interesting spikes? Okay, great. Are there specific things that we need to go and drill in and say, hey, you know, I don't want to um, accept any traffic coming from China, for instance, or, you know, I, I want to, um, you know, minimize any traffic coming from this particular IP address because I've now seen that most of the successful attacks on our servers um, are coming from this particular IP range. But all you have to do is ask the right questions. You don't necessarily need to know how to go and write the SQL or dig through all the log files yourself. That's pretty powerful. So have you have you partnered then with any of the SIM or other type of cybersecurity platforms? You know, they're, they again, they, they they provide that information. You Actually, you, earlier you used the, uh, uh, was it Alexa Tableau or was it Siri Tableau? I don't remember that. But yep. I could see... I could see you being the front end on the the you know a, a cybersecurity platform. Have you partnered like that? Is that how they're using you? Absolutely, yeah. So one of our our largest partner is um, Elastic, um, the the company behind Elasticsearch. So Elasticsearch is you know large scale um, platform for um, observability, security, and search and discovery. One of the really interesting things about our relationship with them is we built our platform on top of Elastic. So since day one, um, we started out using it in, the, in large parts because it scales very well. Almost every company in the world is using it at this point um, because you know it's a large open source tool that everyone got excited about and people wanted to move away from the more expensive vendors in the space and find something that was easy for them to deploy themselves. But because of that, um, you know, because we built our platform on top of Elasticsearch, we've had a deep partnership with them um, doing a combination of helping people implement Elasticsearch in the most efficient ways and then us coming in and bolting ClearQuery on on top of that. When you move into a new vertical, I mean, earlier you mentioned financial services or finance, um, but any new vertical, how long does it take you to you know, get things up and running for the vertical specific kind of queries. Yeah, so that, that's kind of the beautiful thing about Clear Query. Uh, again, one of the things that we really focused on early on is how do we genericize enough of the common types of questions that people ask so that you don't necessarily need to um, target a vertical. Now, there's very specific things that you might want to add on for those verticals, but you can get that vertical up and running in no time. It's really just a matter of 
feeding in the data that they have. And one of the beautiful things about our platform is we have a lot of different ways to connect to data. Um, if your data is in a CSV, there's a simple upload button where you just upload a CSV and we're going to automatically start highlighting some insights for you without you ever needing to even ask a question. So is part of the evolution of the platform. We started off with the, hey, simple questions, questions that you can ask yourself. You know what you want to ask about your data. So it might be in finance in particular. Um, you know, maybe you're looking at, hey, total number of transactions um, coming from a given account because you're looking for fraudulent activity or, um, you know, erroneous transactions or those types of things. But those are questions that you can ask right out of the box. But if you don't even know what the data is or how to start, one of the big things for us has been, well, great, if we get some sample data, this capability that we've built is called automated insights. And what that allows users to do is throw data in and we're going to automatically start triaging that data and showing you interesting visualizations and trends by interrogating that data based on field types and looking at some statistically relevant um, uh, anomalies to highlight for that user. So it at least gives you a start point to start drilling into that data. Sounds pretty cool to me. Um, okay, so that kind of explains the democratization part of the uh, the conversation. But how about the collaboration between data data analysts, data scientists, and other stakeholders? How does uh, ClearQuery you know work in in that context? Absolutely, yeah. So there's a couple of ways today. So one, again, because we're built on top of Elasticsearch, it actually enables data scientists to continue to use Elasticsearch on the back end, and you you know go ahead and write code against that um, as needed to say, hey here are the things that I'm really interested in. Here's some more complex questions that I may want to ask. But we've started to build out, and this is actually a newer piece of functionality um, coming out, some knowledge management type things. So at me as an analyst that you know may or may not know anything about, um, yeah, about writing any type of code, I can go in, start asking questions, get to some interesting points, and then take that and start commenting on it and say, hey, dear other user, can you please go and dig into this further for me? I've gotten enough of the context to understand that this is what I care about. Now, can you drill in and give me more insights? Give me some more predictive analysis type things. And Elasticsearch has a lot of plugins where you can you know, pull in machine learning models or other code that you want to build in. So those data scientists can then go and do that on their own. One of the things that we're working on in the future as a part of our roadmap is how do we embed more of that into the platform itself so that it becomes a more cohesive workflow. Um, but for now, this has worked well for our user base. It makes a lot of sense. Let me ask you, for your prospective customers, what are the top two questions that they ask about clear query and what your capabilities are and what's the number one question they ask you about security sure um so goodness <laughs> uh we'll start with the first one there um top two questions that people ask us about clear query one it's it's usually the question you asked earlier is hey how long is this going to take us to get up and running um, how long is this going to take us to um, adapt our questions and our data to this? The second question is, hey, do you connect to X data store? So um, do you have a connector or my data is in SQL or my data is in S3 or my data is in Snowflake can connect to those things? And the short answer is yes, we have a variety of connectors so that we can plug into 
each of those um, each of those data stores. And if we don't already have that built, it's something that our engineering team can very rapidly churn out to ingest that data in. Um, on the second piece, questions around security, the number one question that we get is, can this be run behind my firewall? Um, and the answer to that is yes. When we built the, uh, when we started building the platform, we built it uh, enterprise first. Um, so we actually <laughs> went the reverse of most other companies and said, we're going to build this enterprise first. This is designed to be deployed behind firewall very rapidly. We never have to touch or see your data at all. We can give you an asset that you go and deploy on your own servers and start get up and running you know, very quickly. Um, but we also have a SaaS version now where you can go and get started online if you wanted to, or if you're comfortable with sharing your data in the cloud. Yeah, is back to your point about connectivity. It, it it seems that that connectivity sometimes is the the tail that wags the dog these days. That you know you could have the perfect platform, but that if you can't connect with other platforms, you're kind of you're just in a silo, and people don't want to work with you. Um, what's how do you how do you charge? What's your your, your fee structure? Yeah, so um, on our on our SaaS platform model, we got a you know a relatively simple pricing model. It's kind of based on users and um, users and data volume. But for the enterprise model, it's it's primarily based on data volume. We don't like to cap on users. We'd rather say, hey, we'll grow as your data grows. Um, and it you know has been very effective for us as we kind of um, engage with customers across the board. Awesome. Let me ask you just a couple more questions. Um, you know, I mean, you you come from a data background, and you know, you live and breathe it. Do you, do you have any tips for uh, listeners who want to get the most out of their data? I mean, obviously, using a tool or platform like ClearQuery would be, I guess, a step in the right direction. Any other tips or advice? Sure. No. Oh, that's always going to be my first answer. Throw your data in ClearQuery and see what it tells you. <laughs> um, I'm but... shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, um, you know. One of the biggest things that we always talk about with clients is, you know, becoming more data curious. And that that's a it's a very it, it's a little bit of a loaded phrase. And it's interesting because I, I think one of the things that I always do as, as I'm walking around the streets, one of the things I'm constantly thinking about is, um, you know, what data is available and what is interesting about that data, how that data could be used for me or against me. So, you know, every day as I'm operating online, you know, you see the ad targeting things that you get, um, you know, the, the pop-ups now, which, you know, GDPR is, is <laughs> the driving force behind all of that, but the pop-ups mm -hmm. now asking you, hey, which cookies you're willing to accept. What I'm constantly thinking about is, well, if I allow them to put these tracking and personalization cookies on here, what are those, th what are the things that they're going to target me with? Sometimes it's beneficial. Sometimes we want to use that to our advantage. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of you know speaking into my microphone very intentionally to force particular ads um, to pop up on my phone. But there's also some dangers to that as well in terms of someone being able to target you very very specifically. And depending on you know your profile as a user, you know that can change a lot of what you may want to share in general. But back to your original question, you know, that, that's kind of the, the big thing that I'm always doing is just thinking about ways data can be used no matter where that is in whatever piece of the world I'm in. You know, if I'm 
in a restaurant, you know, could I use this to optimize um, the service that we are giving to our customers um, by automatically knowing that, hey, this person always orders, you know, X, Y, and Z items, you know, we can go in and prep them and maybe suggest that as a first stop or maybe suggest a new item that is higher dollar volume, but similar to something that they've ordered before. Um, you can use those same types of things for personalization. So as you start to really drill into those questions, you go down these rabbit holes. And every time you start to go down these rabbit holes, it gives you an easy way to start thinking about how you might want to leverage data um, you know, as a start point. And that's usually the start point is how do, I, how do I even leverage data to begin with? And then after you move to that, okay, now what are the best tools and capabilities that are going to enable me to ask and answer the questions that I want to have answered across the board there? That makes a lot of sense. Um, back to the ordering uh, scenario, I, you know, I've seen situations where not only they look at what's the highest dollar amount, but what's in inventory, what's extra excess inventory, what do they want to clear out now? Absolutely. So, yeah, and, you know, that's that's pretty powerful. You get the, the the whole you know platform talking to to itself. Um, have you read the book Data and Goliath? I have not read that book. Okay, it's it. on my desk. I haven't read it either. I'm looking at it right now. It's been I just because I, I bought this thing and I haven't read it yet. But it says Data and Goliath: The Hidden Battles to Collect Your Data and Control Your World, which is kind of a little bit what you were just touching on right there. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, and that's interesting, it, just based on that um, short description you provided, I can only imagine it's talking about, you know, the big tech giants. I mean, if you think about it, you know, Google, Apple, you know, the big thing companies, Facebook, Netflix, they collect so much data on us and our habits that they actually know us better than we know ourselves. And it, it's actually a little shocking. I mean, there have been, I, I, I cannot tell you the number of times I have bought something off of an Instagram ad. Um, which is terrifying to me, but it's also very beneficial at the same time. That's funny. No, it, I, it's mildly annoying when I do a search in one place and then instantly, you know, literally instantly, the, right. I'm, when I go onto Facebook, the ads are there for that exact same thing. Sometimes I hit the buy button though, you know? So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, so, so what's the future for Night Shift Development? Yeah, so we've uh, we've been you know growing you know very steadily over the last five and a half years. Um, you know, been completely bootstrapped from the beginning. So we actually have taken no outside VC. You know, our biggest thing now is how do we focus on the growth um, and tapping into other industries. We've been you know very successful in the government space, and that's in large part because you know we grew up there. That's where we started. We knew that area very well as we stepped out and started you know hitting other conferences for instance we were just at the gartner data and analytics summit a couple of weeks ago um you know as we hit these other conferences it's breaking into these new industries and new verticals how do we take down or you know take parts of the market share um as we can um you know based on um you know marketing and making sure people know what our capability is because that's the biggest thing that uh you know we've we've always struggled with is you know we're, we're a smaller company so um you know if people don't know who you are it's going to be hard for them to find and use uh use your use your tech even if it is you know better in general yeah totally understand um you know there's a paradigm or I guess a, a, a model called bullseye when it comes to mar marketing, especially for startups. And it's 
Don't try to do everything. There's like basically in marketing, like 18 different things you can do, you know, events, uh, advertising, you know, SEM, SEO, whatever. Um, but you got to figure out very, very quickly what works. And then like, according to the bullseye uh, method, you triple down on that. You don't have to, you don't have to try to do everything. Let yep. me ask you, what has worked for, for night shift development? Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, the government market space has been, you know, our bread and butter, and I think for the future will continue to be so. Um, one of the things that we, you know, talked about internally and looking at our, you know, broader strategy for this year and beyond, you know, it's absolutely doubling down on national security and government first because that's what we know. That's what we've been able to do very, very successfully branching out into other industries is really more about diversification, right? You know, how do we make sure that we're not, you know, locked in and tied to only one thing because we can help in a lot of other industries. We may not want to spend all of our time on those things. Those things will maybe only become a small percentage of our business, but having that diversification, you know, does allow us to grow in, you know, some pretty significant ways. And the government business, is it typically through RFPs or is it um, just out through relationships or, you know, how, how does that work? Yeah, it's a combination of um, a lot of it is relationships. Um, you know, that's that's just the government in general. A lot of it is relationships and knowing kind of the customer space um, and being able to actually, you know, go in and have those conversations in the first place and say, hey, here's where we know this fits because we worked this job and we did this before and we know how this works for you here. Um, however, lots of RFPs, lots of partnering, um, and that's one of our big goals um, this year is increasing our channel partnerships. Um, we have a number of um, partners that we've onboarded recently um, that are going to give us reach into other spaces that we didn't have before in the government market in particular, um, but also commercially as well. Um, so we have, you know, those that focus more on state and local governments um, that we mm. haven't really touched before. Um, and there are companies that specifically focus on those areas and they'll help feed us into, you know, those new areas. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, I was just thinking about it because federal government is, is huge in, in itself. There's just so many different agencies, but then if you start looking at state, county, local, um, yeah, and, and if you speak their language and, uh, you know, you get obviously the credibility from all the work that you've done with the federal government, it makes a lot of sense. Um, let me ask you, what's the, you know, the future evolution or development of Clear Query? Yeah, so there are a couple of things that we're looking at here on the uh, on the roadmap in the very near term. Um, and then, you know, there's the longer term here. Um, so in the very near term, we're looking at how do we help enhance that experience for users? So one of the biggest things that we focused on from day one was ease of use, simple user experience from, you know, zero all the way to the end, everything that you do, it doesn't take a technical individual to actually get engaged with it. You can start and it's designed for you go stand, go uh, go to our SaaS. We have a free tier where you could go and upload a CSV, get started immediately, or you know just click a button, use one of the sample data sets, and start playing around. But you never have to really interact with a technical individual to get started there. All of that focuses on kind of you know the first two core areas of. Um, uh, you know, of, of analytics. And one of those is, you know, descriptive and diagnostic. Um, so, you know, what's happening and why that's happening. 
one of the things that we're looking to do now is make sure that we are also focusing on the predictive nature of what's happening, of what's going to happen in you know the future, but also the, hey, I have a goal. What's how do I get to that goal? What are the things that I need to change in my organization or change in my sales cycle or change in you know my cybersecurity posture to meet this goal? I want fewer attacks. I want more sales in you know uh, a particular category of things. I want to um, I, I want to know um, you know what we're going to sell this upcoming season so I can plan my inventory around those types of things. So we're working on adding in those capabilities and again making them as simple as possible so that you can really go in and click a couple of buttons and get those answers um, without needing to do much more. So those are the things I'd say you know people should be looking out for here in the next few months as we uh, continue to roll out um, each version of our platform. That would be pretty darn amazing. Not only do you display the data, you well, you make it accessible, then you display it and explain it in a, in a way that uh, I can understand. Uh, but then you can also give, um, I guess, analytic-based advice or recommendations on, on on certain questions. So that's that's pretty darn powerful. If that's hey, exactly. um, Tim, if if people want to find out more information about Night Shift Development and or Clear Query, what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. Easiest way, our website, clearquery.io. Um, there are contact buttons all over that website for anyone to kind of, you know, click and reach out um, and also, um, you know, reach out to our, our team to kind of have additional conversations. But that's the easiest pay, uh, place for folks to go. Awesome. Well, hey, thank, uh, Tim, thank you so much for being on Secure Talk, and I'd like to wish you and the rest of your team an amazing uh, rest of 2023. Hey, I really appreciate it, Mark. You have a great one as well. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.